Excellent. I hope you appreciate the time and effort that went into those two presentations this morning. There's a lot of knowledge and experience behind those two people and behind the, the companies behind them, if you see what I mean. Um, there's a massive amount of knowledge there. I'm going to, um, in, the, in the final presentation, I'm going to step back a little bit. I'm not really going to do the normal high-level strategy stuff that, that I, I like doing. Um, and I'm not even going to touch on SEO, which is what we're famous for. We're going to look at Google AdWords, which is an interesting topic. Uh, it's, a, it's something that's not really talked about a huge amount in the inbound world. It's only really more recently become part of the, of the HubSpot world. Because in many ways, paid advertising is almost seen as the wrong thing to do, right? And it's not very inboundy. As, uh, as our American cousins would say. Um, and the reason for that is that most advertising is, is interruptive. It's, it's, it's getting in the way of people trying to do what they're doing naturally. But specifically, AdWords is not necessarily like that. It is, it is responding to a particular user's query when they're searching on Google, and it is returning a result. The only difference is that you are paying for the right to appear on those results pages. So inbound is an approach focused on attracting customers through content and interactions that are relevant and helpful. And I think you've got to bear that in mind when you're running paid campaigns. If you're going to put an ad in front of somebody, you're going to send them through to a landing page, then it's really, really important that it is relevant and helpful. There are so many instances of paid campaigns that we review and analyze that are just really, really bad. Uh, it, it, it's pay and pray and, and hope that if I could just get somebody to my website, they, they will understand my vision, my vision and my meaning and everything else. And everything goes to the homepage and suddenly they wonder why nobody is actually making any money. So let's remind ourselves as the inbound methodology, attract, convert, close and delight. So the paid campaigns typically sit within the attract phase, but more and more they can actually sit at other points of the buyer's journey. And this came home to me the other day when I was at HubSpot in Dublin, and they were talking about a new piece of functionality that they're rolling out called the, um, the attribution uh, report model, which is available on the enterprise level. And this is really, really interesting because attribution reporting is key, really, to all of the things that we do as marketers. When we talk about closing a deal, when we talk about generating a lead, we tend to think of those things as, as single points. You know, the lead came from LinkedIn, or the lead came from an organic campaign. What we don't really realize is that those leads have multiple touch points through the buyer's journey. And if you have single-point attribution, that is, you allocate your closed deal to organic search, for example. You're missing out on the fact that that prospect engaged with your brand multiple times. They might have seen you on social. They might have clicked on a paid ad. They might have read a blog post, yes. But those other things might have a really important impact. And if you look at complex attribution models, what you actually tend to see is that although a lead might come through from organic, they will be brought back 
to the website and back to the company through maybe a remarketing campaign. And remarketing, therefore, is not seen as something that either generates leads or close leads, but something that, that's, that's a cost center that we're spending money on this and it's not actually helping. But if you look at it in the, in the attribution model world, you'll see that 80% of the touch points go through some paid at some point or other, which means that they're very valuable. And if you were to cut them out, your conversion rates down the funnel will fall. So what I want you to take away from this is, is not just how to run a PPC and an ad campaign and do it well and do it within budget, but look at it within the context of an actual inbound campaign. So having said that, what does an inbound campaign actually look like? Gosh, that's horrible, isn't it? Um, so this is, this is a typical slide that we will put together. And I know some people in the room will look at this as, as quite familiar. Um, but, it, but it is a typical way of, of looking at the kind of work that we as an agency do or a client, an internal marketing team, will put together for themselves. Um, it, co it comprises of multiple different components. You've got website components like a pillar page down here. You've got blog posts. You've got uh, 12 blog posts up here. You've got social sharing of the blog posts. You've got LinkedIn going through Pulse. You've got interactions through things like Reddit and Quora. You've got nurturing campaigns from template offers. You've got assessment pages you've got email verifications, and somewhere down the bottom you've got a little button there that says AdWords. Right? But all of these things work together. And this is one of the things, that, I mean, you've heard me talk before about marketers being busy and being guilty of being busy, right? Um, because they tend to you know, concentrate up here and let's, let's generate some more blog posts. But unless you're seeing the whole thing in the context of the entire campaign, the, the entire journey flow, then you're really missing out on a lot of different ways that you can improve the lead gen th flow through your, your organization. So what I want to do really is just focus on this little bit. And why would I do that if we're doing all of this other stuff and we've got writers creating content and, and all these different things? Well, people who know me know that I'm a, an SEO expert. It's one of the things that we've been doing forever. Um, and if anybody asks me a question, the answer is SEO. Um, but, but it isn't quite true, right? And, and, and organic traffic can take quite a considerable amount of time to build. And in a competitive marketplace, it can take a considerable time and a lot of money and time and effort to, to, to beat out the competition. So if you have just started, you've gone through that whole process, you've defined all of your different workflows, you've created your download pages, and you've published your first blog, and suddenly nothing happens. And that's frustrating, and that's when senior management start talking about return on investment spends, and that's when you start having some very difficult conversations with your clients. The same thing is actually true on, on, on social. You can put out both paid and, and organic um, work through social, but social tends to work in spikes. People have very short attention spans, even if things get through influencers, it can actually only be a, a blip, if you like, driving traffic. So business is always looking for a quick return on investment, and that is why paid campaigns can do that. They drive the initial traffic. They can validate that workflow. This, this is why, actually, as, as a search engine optimization 
strategy, paid can be really, really useful. Because you can test, you can experiment, you can try different things out. You can find out what keywords and phrases and topics are really resonating with your audience. And more important, you can actually find which ones convert better. So rather than waiting 12 months or 18 months for, for an organic campaign to eventually get you number one for that magic keyword, and then you find the conversion rates are terrible, why don't you throw some paid money at it and, and see whether it actually works or not? And it can happen very, very quickly. There's lots of different ways of, of paying to generate um, traffic to your site, and I'm not going to cover all of these uh, because really we don't have time. Um, they're all valid, but the biggest one um, still is Google AdWords, which is the one in the top left. Um, all of them are relevant, some of them more relevant for the different buyer personas that your businesses have. So just so we know what we're talking about, when you go to Google and you type something in, the first few results are paid ads. Now, it used to be back in the day, you know, last year, um, that these ads stood out, and they used to be sort of side ads as well, and there was the, the massive great banners. If you look at that now, it's actually quite difficult to see what is an ad and what is not an ad. And this is predominantly because this is how Google makes its money. It wants you to pay to, to have those ads put in place. And it wants you as a user to click on those ads because that generates revenue for it. But fundamentally, that's the difference. If, if you're number one on Google for organic, you're not actually number one on the top of the page. You're number one down here. And the first thing that people see is, is, the, is the paid ad. Now, every conversation I've ever had with somebody about paid ads starts with them saying, well, I don't click on the paid ads. I don't click on the paid ads, right? Well, somebody does. <laughs> um, the split between the two used to be about 80% going to the organic first and then... Um, the remainder going to the paid. I don't have up-to-date statistics to actually um, see how that's changed, but um, I suspect it's now probably closer to 50-50. That would, that would be my guess. Um, the other strategy, and I'll just throw this in, if you already are number one, in this case for SEO audits and American firm, if you are already number one on the organic for this, there is still value to be paid to be number one on the, on the, on the paid as well. And this is, a, this is just something to take away. The interesting, um, and this is a psychological thing, not just a, a statistical thing. Um, what will happen is that, yes, if, if we take the word that the majority of the clicks go to organic, a certain percentage will go to, to the paid, and then the rest goes to the the. the, the the other listings further down the page. If you have both, if you have both organic and paid, the number of clicks that you get is bigger than the sum of the two individuals. So one and one is not equal to two, it's equal to three. Um, and the reason for that is all about trust, it's about branding. People see you dominating that page and they are much more likely to click. So that's an interesting stat, and not many people know it. So there's two elements to this, and, and again, there's only so much 
we can do within a certain limited time frame. But setup and monitoring are really, really important. I'm going to go over a couple of high points. On This isn't really a deep dive. You do not need to be technical to understand this. What you need is to be enthusiastic and then go off and, and, and learn more. Um, and I'll give you some resources when we send this stuff out. But the setup side and the monitoring side is really important. One other thing, just, just to go back to this, just so that people kind of understand, and, and not everybody does. The paid ads are an auction. This is how Google is a multi-billion dollar organization. They don't set the price for these ads. You can't go to Google and say, I'll, I'll, I'll give you five pounds for, for an ad. It doesn't work like that. It's a comp competitive auction. So you will choose a, a keyword phrase like SEO audit services, and you will say, I'm willing to pay up to whatever it is, one pound, two pounds, 50 pounds per click for that term. And Google will then compare that to all of the other people who are willing to pay so much for a, uh, a click, and one company will win out over another one, and they will be, uh, appear first. The interesting thing is that there's a twist to that, and this is going to come in later in, in what I'm talking about. It, it isn't a simple auction of the highest bid wins. This is really important. If you are willing to, to pay a lot of money, it doesn't mean that you will still win. There is, a, there is a factor called quality score. And Google will look at your ad, it'll look at the text, and it'll look at the page that you're trying to send people to, and it will say, is this a good match? Is this a good ad? Is this high quality? And it gives it a number between 0 and 10. And if you have a low quality score, you can still win, but you have to bid higher. And sometimes you have to bid considerably higher. And this is one of the things, the big mistake that a lot of people who are not experienced with PPC make is that they set up their bids, they, they, um, they just let it all run, and they're concerned that they're paying a lot of money for their clicks when in fact they could be paying considerably less if they looked at the ads and their quality scores. So again, I'm going to mention that, but, but just bear that in mind. It's not a simple auction that the biggest one wins. Now, the first thing that you do when you, you set up your, your, your Google account, your ads, is there's a whole load of questions that they lead you through, and there's a very nice little wizard. And, and the general rule is <laughs> everything that Google tells you is wrong. Um, and this isn't strictly 100% true, but there are no Googlers who've signed up for today, so I can say this with that impunity. Um, Think about this for a second. How does Google make its money? What is the point of Google AdWords? It's not for you to be successful. It's for Google to make money. So, and, and they, they will justify this in, in various ways, and, and some of it sort of makes sense, but most of it doesn't. Um, they will give you different strategies. You know, maximize number of clicks, maximize number of impressions. And they'll try to take you down a route to allow them to automate that process. And the results of that will be okay. It'll be mediocre. It'll be pretty much okay. It can be slightly better if you actually talk to a Google person, which you can do. They, they will give you access to an expert 
But again, those experts, who do they work for? And what is their remit? And what is their, their goal in life? It, it isn't fundamentally to help you. Honestly, it isn't. So what I'm saying is, is that don't get me completely wrong. You know, we're big Google fans. But take everything that you see with a pinch of salt and figure out the reasons why it's asking you for a particular default value. Most of them are not correct for your business. We really like, if you need to do this properly, you need to turn off most of the automated bidding systems and do things manually, which sounds painful, but it's actually not that hard. You need to spend a little bit of time each week looking at these systems and fine-tuning them and working on them. And if you do that, then you can considerably improve the return on your investment. And actually, return on investment is an interesting thing. There's lots of three-letter acronyms within the world of, of, of paid advertising. There's CPCs and click-through rates and, and ROSs and all sorts of stuff. And most of it doesn't mean too much. But what you'll be pushed towards is, is cost per click. You say, everybody wants a low cost per click. Because yeah? I'm only paying £2 for this phrase as opposed to, you know, I, I used to be paying £5 for it. Don't get head up on cost per click. What you need to understand is the value of the thing that you're selling. You need to figure out the value of a lead or a product sale, and you need to understand your return on investment for that particular thing. If you've got that understanding and you can tie it back to conversions so you can track an ad that goes to a lead that gets converted, and you can track all the way down that funnel to an actual sale, and you can figure out what the profit for that particular thing is, you can work back up that funnel, and you can f figure out something retur called return on ad spend, and, and ultimately return on investment. So you can look at profit. And that will give you a maximum bid that you're willing to make for a particular keyword. And if your bid goes above that number, you're going to be losing money. It's really quite simple. It's not hard maths. People get really head up about the maths on this. I'm terrible at maths. I really am. But that's why God invented Excel, right? <laughs> it's, it's not that difficult. Yeah? You, and the trick, and the problem is that you're, you're dealing with potentially hundreds of different keywords and phrases. And if you're trying to do that auto, automatically using systems, Google is doing that bidding for you. You need to step back from that and you need to look at the details below all of this stuff. This is how you make money and how you beat your competition in this world. So some, some setup tips. Don't let Google automate anything. Understand match types. Match types, again, I'm not going to go into all of this in, in detail, but essentially there's, you can have a very broad match of a, of a keyword or you can have a very narrow one and it's just that particular phrase. Um, stay away from display campaigns uh, with one caveat around that. Display campaigns is where you put a banner ad in, in, on somebody's website. And really that goes back to the old idea of interruptive ad advertising. You're hoping that you're hitting the right audience. There's nothing fundamentally wrong with it, but you need to test it. And if you've got a very limited budget, it's a great way of just burning through cash very, very quickly. So if, if, you're, if you're limited in your spend, stay away from that. There are lots of different 
refinements within the system which tend to get ignored. Location is the most obvious one. You can look at devices, you can look at behavior, you can look at days of the week, you can look at times of the day. All of those things you should look at. Don't necessarily need to, to worry about them on day one, but as part of the review process, definitely think about that. We've had some really weird results looking at the difference between mobile and tablet and desktop. And depending on the business and product that you're selling, you might want to turn one way down and another one way up. For some strange reason, tablets always come out worse. I'm not quite sure about that. And then the other thing, again, I'm not going to go into the details about ad extensions, but an ad extension, there's lots of different ad extensions. Um, and the difference is, if you look at the ad down the bottom, it pretty much hasn't got any. It's just a, it's a text ad, and, and there we go. The one at the top has tons. It has review extensions. It has um, telephone numbers. It has uh, address extensions. It's got these, these site link extensions. It doesn't cost you anything to do these, to add them in. It costs you some time and some thought. But what you're doing here is you're dominating real estate space. You're taking over a larger chunk of the, of the, of the screen, and therefore, there is less likelihood that somebody will see another ad. And also, it gives you multiple different routes into your site. These, these are site links which can lead off to multiple different pages. There's fantastic opportunity to build out a fully-fledged ad with a lot of information on it, and people just don't bother. And therefore, they're, they're leaving money on the table. So doing that, again, reduces your cost per click, but increases quality score, which is the thing that we're really after. I'm going to share these with you afterwards. You don't need to, 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 to memorize all of these. But think very carefully. Remember, nobody's been to your website yet. Uh, they don't know all the wonderful things that you do. You've got a headline. Most people... Do not read the text underneath that headline. They will just read the headline itself. So if you're going to work on anything, become an expert headline writer. And do multiple ads, again, when we come through four, four specific recommendations, do multiple ads and do A-B split testing on your ads. It is not hard to do. Go back to your buyer personas. This, again, is, is a very common mistake that people make, is that they've got very generic ads, sending traffic to their homepage, and they're not really thinking about the pain points and the issues that the buyer personas have. We're HubSpot people. We're, we've been taught how to, to analyze this, the different stages of the buyer's journey, the different personas, the different issues and problems they have. Paid campaigns should reflect that. Yeah. What, what keeps these people up at night? And then feed that back into your keyword analysis and planning. So keywords don't pop out of thin air. They're, they're not something that you start with, I want to be number one for such and such, let's run a paid campaign. Keywords come after you understand your buyer personas, you understand the problems and goals that those buyer personas have, you understand where they are in their buyer's journey, 
And if you think about that as a multi-dimensional grid, that will give you a piece of content that addresses one of those pain points for one of those personas, for one of those points of their journey. And that is where your ad keyword research should focus. What would anybody type if they were looking for a solution or goal to that particular pain point? And then you send them to a page or a piece of content that specifically addresses that need. Okay, so what are the four strategies? There is something inside AdWords called the search query report. And if you only do one thing, if you only work on one particular element within, within AdWords, this is where you should be living. The, the important thing here is to understand the difference between a keyword and a search term. Because as far as I can figure out, it sounds like they're pretty much identical. Right? Um, a keyword is what you put into the system that you say you want to trigger an ad. So I can't remember what the previous example was, you know, SEO audit. I might, no, we're a white SEO company, it sounds like a good thing for us. So I would set up an ad group around the keyword SEO audit. Sounds sensible. However, users are not that convenient. They don't think SEO audit, so that they type something else into Google. They'll type, where can I get a cheap SEO audit for free? Or, you know, who does the best SEO audit in London? Yeah? So I hadn't thought about that. That wasn't my keyword. I had no idea. But some part of that keyword matches that search phrase. So the search phrase is what the user types. The keyword is what I'm trying to match. And the keywords can have different modifiers. They can, like I said, they can be broad. They can be very specific. But what you will see in this console is the actual results. You will see what people have typed that triggered your ads, which is really, really powerful. It's a fantastic, powerful thing for your content team to know because this is the way that people think. This is the way that your buyers think. This is really, really valuable insight. Now, the other thing that comes out of this is the statistic, and again, I'm going to use John's um, phraseology around this. Um, most statistics are made up, right? So, so let me make one up. Um, the majority of searches that are typed into Google are unique and Exactly the stats around that is, is uh, like I say, I don't know the exact number, but it's, but it's a very big number. So what that means is I can make up a keyword like SEO audit, but the majority of people are not typing that in. They're typing a derivative of it. And most of them are, are unique derivatives. So how can you guess, how can you build a campaign if everybody's typing something new? Well, that's where this query report helps. It shows you what people are typing. So there's two actions that come out of this. You can use that to pull out specific keywords that might be typed again or that may have a good conversion rate. And you can take them and turn them into actual keywords. And you put them back into the system and say, this is a unique, narrow keyword I now want to to bid on it, and you can put your, your bidding strategy around that keyword because you can then track its conversion rate. Remember, return on ad spend, return on, on, uh, on investment. 
If you track a specific keyword, you can say this is good or bad or medium, and therefore you can bid up or bid down. This is, this is what you need to get in your heads. Each keyword you need to treat differently. And the search queries are giving you keyword ideas. So you take the best of these, you turn them into unique keywords and you track them and you look at their conversion rates and you change the, the bidding strategy. And then secondly, and this is again really important, if, if you don't come away with anything, just remember this, negative keywords. I do a lot of audits of other people's PPC campaigns and a lot of them don't have any negative keywords and the ones that do have very few. What is a negative keyword? Why do you care? Negative keywords are things that you don't want to trigger an ad. Yeah? Essentially, it's, it's something that you hadn't thought of that somebody's typed in that's got nothing to do with your business or your product or your service, but somehow or other Google has matched it up with one of your keywords and it's throwing up your ad and somebody's clicked on it and you've paid five pounds for it. So, I mean, there's, there's lots of examples about this. Um, I don't know, say, say you, you create, uh, you sell running shoes, and like a long tail keyword being a blue Nike running shoes, um, but maybe your keyword was running shoes. Maybe you don't actually sell Nike running shoes. So in that world, anybody who then types in Nike running shoes would go into your into your funnel, that you would be paying for it. So you can set up a negative keyword called Nike, and Google will not throw up any ads around Nike. The trick with this is that you can probably make up a whole load in your head and, and you can pre-populate the, 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 the settings with them. But the search console is your one source of truth. You go in there, every time I go in and look at a search console result, I see new negative keywords. And I use them, and I put them back into the system, and then that cuts that out. And then over a few weeks and a few months, you really refine the results that you're getting through to the system. This is not hard. It's pretty easy to spot them. It's like, why on earth would that trigger that? Don't do it again. It's a simple thing to do. Most people don't do it. Just a screenshot of actually where you, what the consoles actually look like and how you can do that. What we're trying to do here, again, is look at strategies for small budgets. And it's probably worth defining what a small budget is. Uh, we deal with campaigns with people running maybe a few hundred pounds a month in terms of, of ad spends, all the way up to companies spending many thousands of pounds a day on Google AdWords. And strategies can vary. If you've only got 500 pounds a month, if you've only got 200 pounds a month, to spend on advertising. You really want every penny to count. The strategy is different. If you're spending thousands of pounds a day, certainly in the early days, strangely enough, it's okay to waste some money. And what I mean by that is, is that money is, is an experiment. Remember I said about this, the search terms that are, uh, are, are triggering leads? You don't know what all the different things that people are going to type into Google. So by keeping your terms broad, yes, you will be wasting money on people who won't convert, but you're also getting a load of ideas. So you can do that for a few weeks or a few months, 
and then you narrow it back down. But most of us don't have the, the luxury of throwing money at a problem. So in that world, what do you do? And then, so my recommendation here is go long tail. And what I mean by long tail, uh, long tail people define in different ways, but the original definition um, was three or more words in a key phrase. So if, if, if there's more than three words, three words or more, then that counts as a long tail. And the, the, the reason these are good things to focus on is that they are, there's much stronger buyer intent. The more that people type, the, more, the closer that you are to figuring out what they actually want. And the classic sort of running shoe is, is you know, running shoes, short keyword. Blue, Nike, running shoes, size 10. You know, if you provide blue running shoes, Nike, size 10, then you absolutely would be bidding for that. And you'd know that your conversion rate should, should be high. So if you've got limited budget, don't use broad phrases. Go after um, long tail keywords and, and really um, concentrate on, on, the, on, on those. They will have a lot lower search volume, but they're closer to the, 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 the bottom of the funnel. They're, they're closer to, to decision points. They have better click-through rates. Your cost per conversion will be low. Your, your quality score, scores will be high. Um, and then again, I'm not going to go around uh, talk about structuring of ad groups, but, but essentially you can build out different structures within the ad system so that a group of keywords will trigger a particular ad. Um, and then if you, if you actually want to do this properly, you end up with a lot of those. And the, and the reason for that is that you want to become more and more specific so that the ad really matches the, the, um, the phrase that people are, are typing. Uh, if you were, went to extreme, you'd end up with one ad group for every sort of keyword, but that's just silly. Um, but really look at quality and look at the, at the ads. And again, some screenshots of how that looks. Qualifying, this is an interesting one. Um, and what I mean by that is, is often qualifying out people from ads. Everybody thought, well, don't we want more clicks? Don't we want more visitors in? Well, in many ways, no. The answer is that you want the right type of person to come into your funnel. So the ad here talks about um, seminars that are run for Fortune 500 companies, and it actually puts the price of the seminar in at $1,200, I think it is, something like that. Now, that's going to scare a lot of people off, and it's designed to scare a lot of people off, because if you just had, this is a fantastic seminar, it's wonderful, you know, it's, 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 it's great, and I'm a solo entrepreneur, and I really don't have that kind of money to spend on it. I've, I've clicked on it, I've gone through, you've been charged by Google, and this is not going to close. So this is going to cut down your traffic quite dramatically. Yeah, your click-through rate might go down, but it's specifically going down for a purpose. So you're qualifying out. You're trying to, to match that buyer persona and, and, and the actual needs. So this is really, really valuable. And again, for big campaigns or any kind of campaign where you're, you're really struggling on a, on a particular budget, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a phraseology that if you ask for everything, you get nothing, right? So the more specific your question, the more specific you can, you can focus your ad, 
the higher your quality score, your higher your click-through rate, your higher your conversion rate. <coughs> Nearly done. It's only four. <coughs> A-B testing. People's eyes sort of glaze over um, when, whenever anybody talks about A-B testing. Um, and there's a difference between A-B testing and multivariate testing, which um, is actually not that hard to understand. A-B testing is, is where you have two different versions of an ad, and you're, you're running them side by side. Multivariant testing is where you're changing multiple elements of that ad. Um, you're putting out multiple different versions of it, and it's really hard to do. The interesting thing is that the A-B testing you should be doing with pretty much all of your ads. Google AdWords gives you a tool to do that. Most people ignore it. But if you create an ad, create two, change the headline, put them in a test, once you've got the winner, split it again, continually refine and test, um, you're, you will get percentage point improvements of your conversion rate. And if you're spending you know, all of your money on, on paid ads... That can, that can mean you can double the, the, eventually the amount of money that you're, 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 uh, you're, you're able to, to spend. It's really, really important. Interestingly enough, as HubSpotters, you have an advantage because the A-B tests that exist within Google, by definition, exist within Google, but they're only testing the ad itself. The other part of the equation is where you're going to. Where, where, when somebody clicks on an ad, where does it go? Well, it goes to a landing page. It goes to a, a particular place where you want some action to be taken. And typically those landing pages get ignored or they're built once and forgotten about. But HubSpot Marketing Professional gives you the ability to do A-B testing on landing pages. So you should absolutely do that. And what's more important is if you've got the enterprise version it'll allow you to do multivariant testing. And although I said never trust an automation engine, um, this is one reason where you can. Because HubSpot, the AI engine behind that, will fine-tune that landing page to give you the best conversion rates. Now, this is something new. We haven't really been trying this yet. It's only just being rolled out. But I'm really excited about looking at how that can work with, with big campaigns and, and, and how, the, uh, how this will actually work with a paid campaign. If you can send traffic to the site, A-B split test the ad, and multivariant test the landing page, you've got, you've got a, um, uh, a perfect storm of, 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 of optimization that you can look around these pages. All of these things are not hard. The problem is people get scared about the maths, about, oh, this, the, the user interface looks complicated. If you looked at some of these screens... It's horrible, right? It, it, there's just there's menus and submenus, and, and it's it really is it's confusing. You 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 don't know what you're going to click, and you, you're going to break something. But if you just focus on those points, or even you just focus on the on the search console, you can really improve your your results. A couple of tools. Obviously, I mentioned HubSpot. Um, there is something if you're not using HubSpot, you can use something called Unbounce, which is a customized landing page builder, which, uh, which is really excellent. And then there's Optimize Er and Optimize Lee. Um, the ACE, the AdWords campaign experiments tool, is within AdWords itself. So that's kind of it. Use this query tool, 
Go after long tail. Qualify your text. And do A-B split testing. Does that sort of resonate with people? Does it, does it help? Who is, who is running paid ads here? Okay. Who's doing all of those things? Yeah, some. Some, which is great. <coughs> Excuse me. The funny thing is that if you look at agencies who do this, um, or individuals who are, who are experts at this, most of them do not do this. They don't. Um, it's just too easy to set up some ads and to, to run them and maybe review them one, once a month. Um, and you, don't, you, you get a fixed return on that and they get slightly better over time, but not much. It's not a massive overhead. You can spend 20 minutes a week looking at your ads, looking at the search terms, putting in some new negative ones, looking at the, the headlines, and you will dramatically improve your conversion rates. Um, one of the things I tend to do is, is first time I go in and I look at a new site and look at all of the different ads that have been set up, I'll, um, Excel is, is uh, one of the tools I didn't actually include there, but it's such an obvious one. You can export all of this into a comma-separated file and put it into Excel. And then I'll say something else which, again, gets people's eyes to glaze over. Um, pivot tables. <laughs> pivot tables are your friend. Um, I, I, for example, you can, if you've got a very complex environment, a lot of ads, a lot of things going, sometimes it's very difficult to see the wood for the trees. You can export the whole thing into Excel. You hit the pivot table button, you accept all of the defaults, and you take quality score and you drag it over. That's it. You know, that's how you do a pivot table in Excel. And that will break down all of your ads showing summaries by quality score. And then you just go into the low scoring ones and pause them. And the money that is left over will dramatically improve what's, what's left. It's a simple thing. Right? You then go back to those low quality scores and figure out why. And then you can improve them and do all sorts, all sorts of other stuff. But if you want to save some money very, very quickly, just do that. Cut out everything below a quality score of five. That's just random. I don't, there's no particular logic behind that. But, but I see a lot of sort of twos and threes. Um, it means you're overpaying, dramatically sometimes overpaying for things that you could just be sending an ad to a different page. And that's the most common failure I see is, is that most ads... Strangely enough, still go to, to, to the home page. So match your ads to an actual landing page and make sure that the ad text matches the landing page text. Work around that. Just focus on quality score yeah, and return on investment. Any questions? Yeah, go on. Um, when you talk about long-tail keywords, um, I understand all of the concepts that you're talking about. However, uh, my, my, my thoughts were that it's quite keywords in your campaign and the, the, the modern and new thing to do is to have um, the broad keywords instead um, because quality score takes into account volume as well as click-through rate. So if you if you have more keywords appearing for more searches, you might pay less because they're more relevant, but then you're losing out on volume. What's, what's yeah, so the question is all about broad match and, and narrow match and, and um, long tail or not. Uh, it often comes down to budget. 
uh, I'm a great believer in experimentation. So uh, if you've got a lot of budget, um, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of, of what's called um, broad match modified. So if, if you had like running shoes as an example, that's a broad term. Um, and it could trigger a whole load of different results. If you put a plus sign in front of each of those words, you end up plus running plus shoes. That's broad match modified. What it means is those, both those phrases must occur at some point in the actual search term. That will give you quite a, a plethora of different results. But in practice, what I'm seeing is that that is then used as a way of get generating ideas which generates keyword groups, which you can then analyze. Now, I, when I said you should have one-to-one keywords to results, I didn't really mean that. I, that's just an extreme. What you need to do is, is an AdWord group needs to be very relevant to the group of keywords and phrases that sit within it. Yeah? Um, and sometimes it's perfectly okay to go broad. The problem is where you have phrases which can have different meanings which are outside of your business. So you can be triggering a whole load of things from a broad match which just aren't relevant. So it comes down to experimentation. So my point here is this is for people with a very limited budget. Yeah? If, you go, if you've only got a few hundred pounds to spend, I would go very narrow. I would start very narrow at least. Um, and I would go, to, go after keyword phrases that I know are going to generate business for me. If you have more budget, then you can experiment. I would go broader and then narrow back down over time. But like everything else, is experiment. Biggest challenge for my business is always been around location. Yes. Um, we're focused on products specifically around Mary Walton Dockman's property, but obviously people all over the world own properties out there. Um, so we can't sort of narrow down a, a geolocation target. Um, it, it's all been about putting the Yeah. Are we missing a trick in terms of qualifying these people? Um, the question is around location and, and geolocation. Um, and I understand your pain. <laughs> uh, the, the, the issue is, is well, there's twofold. There's, there's two ways to identify location. It's either people would type it into the search phrase, you know, property in, in Canary Wharf or, or whatever it is in Canary Wharf. Um, that doesn't mean that that person is in Canary Wharf when they're typing it. Google itself can pick up where that person is. So you could have um, property for sale as a search term, and that could only be targeted to people within a particular uh, postal area or within a particular radius of a, an exact location. I mean, you have to... The problem is it's not often easy to decide from a business perspective um, what you want to target because it might be that you want Germans sitting in Berlin who are looking at property in Canary Wharf, or you might not. Um, we do a lot with the state agents around, around the UK, um, and what they found is that, that they identify where people are moving from. So if you're in Chiswick, we're actually targeting not people around the country mo moving to Chiswick. We found that's a very low conversion rate. It does happen, but the conversion rates are low. We would target specific geographies that we know that border on there because people tend to move close by. So it's, it's a very difficult thing. 
And it's not even perfect within Google, as you know. Uh, so, so there's no easy answer to that. But you can target both. You can target the phraseology or the area or a radius. Um, and you can have different targets and you can bid differently on, on them as well. So it might be that you go after the German market, but you're bidding less for that because your conversion rate, because you'll know the conversion rate metrics, um, you can map that. And it's only worth paying X for stuff outside of that. But within your sweet spots, you're willing to bid up. So I would have multiple different ones. Yes, Vijay. Uh, does Google AdWords have uh, cross-channel attribution reporting? So you know, if your last touch point was SEO, but it did come via PPC at some point, can um, a lot of that is, is, can be done through uh, Google Analytics, but in the HubSpot world, that is what the new attribution model is designed to do. So what would happen there is you might have an organic campaign that sends people into the, the website. They are then tagged to be picked up on the remarketing tag. They would see an ad when they're looking at the telegraph, that would send them back to a landing page, they fill in a form, and then they book for your conference. Right? So those are multiple touch points. The enterprise version of HubSpot now supports that. So you have both first touch, last touch, weighted, um, uh, decay-modeled attribution reporting within enterprise HubSpot marketing. But that is not easy to do within AdWords itself, no. Hotspot, it's for actual leads that you're getting attribution for. What about visitors that haven't converted into leads? Does Google Ads do that differently? Um, not if you know. No, no, no. Not that I know of. Not that I know of. Sounds like something I need to go off and read about. Yeah. Any other questions? How are we doing for time? We're pretty much okay. So what I, unless anybody has anything else, I think we're going to finish it off now. The next event is going to be sometime. It's going to be March. Um, I haven't got an exact date, but I will email everybody out. I will send out copies of the presentations um, in the next few days. We will get the video recording out. Normally it's a couple of weeks, so it might even be after Christmas. But I really appreciate your time coming in, and hopefully this was valuable for everybody. Thank you so much. <laughs>